Well, here we are with another fantastic episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. As always, my name's Alon. And my name continues to be Ara. So if you want to learn more about the show, uh, you can go to our website, chatterboxgameshow.com. That's where you can go to email us. That's where you can go to find the phone number for our voicemail. Have we gotten any of those lately? We, um, well, um, we haven't gotten any voicemails this week. But um, if you're feeling chatty, you can call us at 480-442-6321. If that's too many numbers for you, that's 480-4GAME21. And you can leave us a message, and maybe you'll hear it on a future episode if it's succinct. We're just, uh, you know, we're trying to give you options. And how to commu- communicate with us. Yes. So, one, so. Of the, one of the options is not Xbox Live Messaging System, by the way. <laughs> In case there's unclear, why not? Why don't you want to keep that freedom there's, alive? There's no, I've, I've. This is not a democracy we're running here. Tomorrow's Independence Day, indeed, and I'm not known for my democratic tendencies. So, um, look, when you've got like five ways to communicate, and one of them requires um, using a controller and nothing else, it's not, it's not working for me. Speaking of using a controller and nothing else, do you think we should talk about Steel Battalion? Of course. Okay, so before... This is, this is good. We should lead in with this. this is good. We often will play demos of games uh, that we know we won't like immediately before recording the show because it helps us be critical, I think. Um, we played Steel Battalion. I brought the Kinect over to Ara's. We tried Steel Battalion, which is very, very Kinect-enabled. The Kinect version. Yeah, yeah, you you thought you were in the beginning. You were like, "Oh, it's just going to be like the voice or something." It's the ex- exact opposite. It is not the voice at all, and only all sorts of motion controls. Yeah, not o- not only does it require you to use your controller in, I guess, not in concert, but in alternating fashion with your hands for the connect, but it also involves you standing up and sitting down, which it warned us of in the beginning. And I was wondering, like, what in the hell? <clears throat> Are you, you going to use this for it? Apparently, if you stand up, it's like you're you're opening up the uh, what's that thing? The, the portal, the cockpit, the cockpit, the canopy in the top, and you can you can step outside or you can you can actually it's a really nice mapping because it's like you're just basically like you're standing up from inside the mech and you're looking outside. Yeah, I mean, so I got to hand it to them. They did considering the limitations of the Connect, uh, and by that I mean its accuracy. They did a pretty good job, but. That doesn't mean that the game is fun to play as a result. It just means that they managed to map lots of things to your hand motions, but it doesn't necessarily work well or work quickly. Yeah, and I find I find myself completely ambivalent, as usual, with these kinds of things, because conceptually, this is really cool. I mean, you're really in a cockpit where you can look around, and there's a multitude of... Some more than others necessary controls, and you can all use them for various things, right? It's it's like the virtual analog of having, you know, playing the real Steel Battalion game that came out during the Xbox days, where it had myriad of buttons that lit up, and you had it's like you had all those functions more or less, not the same ones obviously. It's a different mm-hmm. mech, but you had a lot of those things like windshield wipers and and stuff like that. But there are physical buttons on a controller. I guess this time they didn't have the controller, right? Or it was so it's like okay, let's try to do it with Connect. So I mean, it's a valiant effort. Don't get me wrong, but it just it just falls apart because of like you said, the accuracy, right? I mean, how long were we sitting there, right? Or were either of us sitting there in our mechs, fumbling with the controls while being just? rained yeah. on with artillery so i'll describe one of them one of the motions you do one of the very important motions is uh to i guess pull yourself close to the the portal so right. that you can you can actually see the world right because you're you spend a lot of the time in the cockpit itself where you're just looking at the control i was really curious how they were going to do that because in the older steel battalion games the older steel well i guess there's two so you can say that um you had enough of the screen was actually, like, the viewport to the outside where you could watch it, and then you still had, like, a ton of controls all around you. But in this one, it's like there's, like, a little slot in the middle of the screen, right? And when I was looking at screenshots of the game, I always wondered, like, how the hell am I supposed to play looking through a little slot like that? Yeah, and, so and this is how. There's only very little 
visible on the screen when you're in the cockpit area. I mean, visible out of the outdoors, right? And then so what you do is you, you reach both of your hands towards the screen and then you pull them to yourself as if you're grabbing the edge of the cockpit and pulling yourself towards it. Was, was so, that what it was? Because I – like, see, I was even confused about that because I, I was under the impression that the game was instructing you to just reach your hands out, not like reach them out and then pull them yeah, toward you. But what you, you said makes more you sense. You were having a hard time with it. So really what you're doing, you're, you're grabbing two handles that exist in the, in the cockpit and pulling yourself towards it. Okay. That makes sense. <clears throat> and then you're – you know, you're closer to the edge and, and you're looking outside. The problem is I would do that and then it would, when I would put my controller back in my hand, it would think that I had pushed my hands forward again, therefore causing me to lean away from the wall. So I would I would pull myself in so that I could see outside and then it would uh, unintentionally force a reversal of that action. Yeah, so you're which, just... You're yeah. just going zooming in and out unnecessarily. Now, admittedly, it didn't warn me not to lean forward during the game or put my controller on the side of my body. But I'd like to think that I can lean forward a little bit to play a game. Well, and it's only fair. the natural tendency of every single person who sits and plays a game on a couch. I mean, Yeah. So a little frustrating there. And there's certainly a lot of other things that are hard to do. But, I mean, I got the hang of it pretty fast and I could do most of what I wanted. But... Then when you actually get to play the game where you're basically using the controller and you can see the world, uh, you just get rained on with fire. And uh, you die real fast. So I have no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I was shooting some stuff. It's not like you can move faster in a vertical mech. Right. Well, this is, this is the thing. Like This is the huge disconnect for me in this version of the game especially because you're just – like you said, you're just constantly getting pelted. Right, and you're in a situation, right? You're not. This this isn't like. Um, it, it's like you're thrown in a situation where you're demanded to act fast, but there's nothing about your interface that is fast. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just you just feel so helpless. You struggle to get back to the cockpit. You struggle to grab the things you need. You've got to sort of hover your hand over in, in midair as you try to get to the the switch or the button or you know, the you know actuator. The irony of all this is, you could do all of it with a controller very you quickly. You could do all of it with the controller very quickly, right? All you need is just the highlight that you can scroll around with, and then press A, right, to draw focus to that highlight to use that button, and that would be about a thousand times faster than the means we were using. Forget that. Just use one of the 14 friggin' buttons on the controller. Well, I'm, I'm making the assumption, right, that there would be way more buttons to manipulate than you could assign to a yeah. controller. It's, uh, it is silly. Right? So, that's, so that's kind of sad, right? Because I, kind of, I want to play the game without the Kinect, even though the whole thing conceptually is supposed to be for the Kinect. Well, so that's what I was thinking about as you were talking a minute ago. Like, what, what was the desire of the developers? They, or, or what do they think is the motivating factor for someone playing well, this game? And it's got to be the simulation yeah. of being in this cockpit. Yeah. Except, as we noted, the simulation is not accurate enough to make you actually feel like you're doing it. It's, it just becomes frustrating. Right. So why bother making the game? And it, it astounds me that... Capcom let them make it, right? Right, but this is like this is the story. I mean, this has been the shill game of the Connect ever since it started. That they just pretend it's some really cool thing and it's not. Well, yeah, because what Connect game has anybody played? They're like, wow, this is really responsive and better than a controller. No, the complaint has always been and will continue to be. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's funny, right? Like they they've been able to overcome this in the market. By just throwing ungodly amounts of money into it, right? They've, they've You're overcome... talking about Microsoft managing to sell the Kinect. Yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like they've just done it by brute force. They've stuffed it down everybody's throat, and they've been tremendously economically successful with it. But that still doesn't change the fact that it's just not a responsive interface, and there's better ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I kind of enjoyed Gunstringer, yeah. but... Um, you know, they did a good job of fooling you into thinking that you were doing something interesting when really, like, you're basically just doing one or two different motions. Yeah. And I, I really feel it's fun. It's interesting you framed it the way you did in terms of, like, what the developer's goal was because I really do feel like, and I've been, I've been in situations like this, right, where I, I really feel like the developers were charged with, all right, this is what you got to work with, right? Make it as good as you can, you know? 
I mean, with a game like Steel Battalion that obviously didn't sell well the first time, they had to be extremely skeptical that this one would do well. And so I'm guessing this is some sort of, like, uh, there's a developer who really, really wanted to make this game, and he made a heartfelt pitch and convinced someone. I don't think it was the suits saying, make a Kinect game and, and I, use this old you know IP of ours. Yeah, I, I, there's, I think there's no way for us to know for sure. I mean, it could go either way. But you really, I mean, like, I think anyone, you, you either have to be completely stupid or... Well, I don't know what the other one is, but to develop a game like this, like there's no way that you can have illusions about the reality of the precision of the control and its actual performance envelope. Yeah. It is it is a low performance envelope. No have you seen you any marketing for this game? For this game specifically, not at all. But you know what? They, they kind of did the same thing with the other Steel Battalion. Yeah. So how do they expect... Well, this is this is the other funny paradox of things in the game industry in the first place because when there's a product that they don't think is going to make any money, they ensure that reality by not putting any money into marketing it. Yeah, I I don't understand what they were thinking. Like, Capcom had to lose money on this, had to. Well, well, they were probably thinking, hey, we're going to lose less money because we're not making a good piece of hardware to go along with it. It's I just don't know what they were thinking. I really don't. And it's like a part of me kind of would like to play the game, but you're going to have to make the mech faster to move and actually tell yeah. me what I'm supposed to do. Either that or slow down the pace of the game so you're not getting pelted at continuously while you're reaching for like the smoke clearing lever, which just happens to be next to the self-destruct lever. Like that's got to be an inside joke or something. I got to say something else real fast though. We're, we're coming up on the end. There's, it's really a shame because the older Steel Battalion games, there's a real special sublimeness to operating like all the different axes of the ball at the same time. And you lose that. You don't have any of that in this one. Alright, we'll be back. Chatterboxers. How much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technologies, so please go uh, give them a look. Now, uh, we are going to talk about an email that we got. Yes, we did get an email this week, and it was in response to an email last week, incidentally. Yeah, it's, it's really the result of us not knowing what we're talking about, which happens frequently enough to result in email, I should say. Right. Well, well, that that's okay. Um, I actually I wouldn't even frame it that way. But um, well, we talked about Diablo, and none of, none of us had played it, right? That's true. Diablo three, specifically. and I don't claim to know. We we distinctly claim to not know anything about Diablo three. Yeah. So he's educating us. So so this is funny actually because you know our uh, thank you Mike for the email, um, but it's actually it, I feel like we're caught in the crossfire of an argument between two listeners. Yeah, I, I mean, because he disagrees with Julian, and it, it's it seems like most of his complaints are actually against Julian, who was complaining about well the invasiveness of the DRM, and, and Mike is saying that hey, it's you know it's not that invasive. You get all these new features. Actually, you get all these things, and it's really for the benefit of the players more than it is for um, the the evilness of the corporation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about Diablo three, so. That would explain why I don't understand why it can't just be single player. I guess the idea of selling stuff that you get in the game is is core to the game, I suppose. And that's where item duping can ruin the economy. He mentioned that several times, right? So the Diablo 1 and 2, 
were almost completely ruined by the item duping. Right. So people and hacking the game to produce items that they shouldn't have or at duplicates of items. Ostensibly, the, you don't have that in Diablo 3 because of the way it's structured. Yeah, because it's all server-side. DRM structure and those other things. So, but then my question is, why have that element? Why not just have it single-player and offline and you play the game like you play every other game that's not multiplayer? Well, this is this is where I think, you know... This is where I disagree with one of Mike's assertions that uh, you know if I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, he's basically saying, "Hey, you know, these features are for the benefit of the player base as a whole, and not for just the benefit of you know Blizzard for all of their nefarious capitalist intentions." Um, but I, I don't really see if that I don't really see that follows. I mean, you know, there can be some benefits to players um and you know, i won't go into the details but he, he's laid out some of those and then at the same time though i really feel like this kind of structure is really a more of a control structure for blizzard than anything else i mean corporations don't do anything just for the benefit of their customers they do things for the benefit of the customers when it benefits themselves more and you don't have to get into conspiracy theory time to buy that, you know? I mean, it just makes sense, you know? Corporations aren't there to make players feel good. They're ma- they're there to make money, and if they can make players feel good, then that's good too because that makes them more money. Yeah, I mean, but they took a pretty big risk here, right? Because they pissed a lot of people off. Maybe it's just they weren't intending on making the game unplayable for the first week. Maybe these issues that people have been having are, you know... Uh, completely unexpected but i i would think that they kind of anticipated some some backlash i'm i'm sure of that and i also think that a large part of their blizzard's conceit and this endeavor is you know this is kind of a new thing you know i mean this is kind of like a new frontier and one of the things that i do think that corporations will try to do um irrespective of any immediate profit is venturing into new areas right and so this this prospect of hey we're going to have like this live auction system like no one's done that before for this kind of game and we're going to have these other things right these are all very very new very like avant-garde kind of features right and i think that uh just that in and of itself right that intrinsically is something that's exciting for a corporation to do even if it's experimental even if it's a little risky i mean hell Everything that video game companies do is risky anyway, so and not just little risky, but super duper fifty fifty risky. So like Steel Battalion. Like Steel Battalion and like you know, it's I haven't heard this statistic thrown around lately, right? But there was every once in a while you hear the statistic of like how many games actually pull a profit out of the ones that like are started or attempted. Kind of like Hollywood, right? And it's they like, claim every movie loses money, but somehow there's still people being rich everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the last time I heard it, and you know, all of this is obviously just random conjecture, but the last time I heard that stat, the people were saying like, yeah, you know, like fifty percent of games actually pull a profit or less. Yeah, that's a little bit crazy. It's not surprising. Think about think about all these layoffs that have been happening. Think about like all. I mean, it's not just it's these layoffs have been constantly happening month after month since 2007, 2008. Yeah, but haven't we learned that that's not necessarily because companies did poorly? It's just because they're done with making the game that they were making with so many people. So they lay off a bunch of people that no longer are needed. Well, it's it's hard for me to think of a particular example of that. But almost every time where I've heard it, it was... All, it came in conjunction with another announcement that was like, oh, you know, like just recently, right? Like, oh, Prototype 2 did not make as much money as we thought. So now Radical Studios, is, which has been around since, gosh, for a really long time, since THQ published Dark Summit, which was like a decade or more ago. I don't even know anything about that game. Yeah, it was, it was like an Xbox game. Um, they've been around for a while. Now they're shutting down because they didn't make enough money. You know? And Prototype 2, I mean, this is like a triple-A high-profile game, right? What happened to Heavy Rain? Not Heavy Rain. Uh, well, maybe that's another example. But what happened to uh, L.A. Noir? right? 
didn't make enough money. They're constantly... Which is weird because that game got a lot of attention. Right. So I don't know how they could not have made enough money. Well, that's the thing is that these, these projects, they're just getting so huge. They have to pour in so much money into it. And they have to make all that back. And, and then they don't. And it's... it's I mean, we kind of talked about this before, right? But it was funny because like like five years ago... Right, all the big corporations were saying like, "Oh, you know, these monolithic releases are not healthy for our industry. We need to make smaller releases. We need to make smaller games. We can't dump tens and twenties and thirties and fifties of millions of dollars into our games because they're not making all that money back, and it's becoming increasingly risky." And then they said that, and then they were like, "It's like it's like they kind of like dipped their toes in the like under ten million dollar part of the pool." And then they're like, ah, no, we don't like this. We're going to spend $15 million again. Yeah, they did uh, go back in full force, I guess. And it's just funny because even, I mean, one of the, I remember a couple of years ago, there was uh, uh, one of the execs from Ubisoft basically said completely contrary to what I just said. He was like, no, we got to focus on these huge multi-million dollar blockbusters. Well, for them, they've been successful. And Well, the thing is, is when it works... It works, and sometimes that cash can support like twenty other game development projects. But if you don't hit it, you're you're in deep shit. Yeah, I kind of wonder uh, if Ubisoft's going to be hurt now because I and I don't remember if I talked about this on the show or not. But I I realized that all their games are essentially the same. They're just a bunch of people walking around, uh, you know, so groups of of human characters walking around looking mostly alike doing mostly the same stuff, <laughs> using a variety of gadgetry to accomplish some goal. So either they're in a setting that is slightly futuristic or There's a setting a that is very old. a lot of games very like old. I mean, that's like the de facto, like, so-called AAA, I hate that term, product these days, anyway. But but that's that's completely Ubisoft. Other than Rayman, and I'm, I've, I'm fairly certain we talked about this on the show once, other than Rayman, Ubisoft is just making a bunch of games that look the same to me. Whether it's set in like old Assassin's Creed times right. or new times, it's all the same game. It's, I don't think it's just Ubisoft. Namco has been on that streak for a while. Um, in my opinion, to their detriment, but they keep doing it. Um, they did that with the last Ace Combat game. Although it's not people walking around. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not a bunch of humanoids. It's not a bunch of humanoids walking around, but it's a bunch of humanoids that kind of all look the same with an environment that kind of looks the same as any other, like, triple-A city-esque game. You know, I mean, it's 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 just the same old... The, the artistic sensibility and the approach to the game-making is, you know, very, very much like... Are you saying that Ace Combat and Ridge Racer look the same? These other... Well, I mean, like, it's funny. Like, Ridge Racer is going like that in, in that direction, too. Like, that uh, that Unbounded that we played a couple of weeks ago, you know? It's, it's just... It's very, very generic. There's nothing special about it. Anything that would have been special about it or anything that was special about the series, right? Any of those hallmarks are just completely lost. And it's funny because they're they're trying to... You can really tell. They're trying their hardest to make a game that sells as much as possible. But the way that it happens and the process that the processes that are being used just produces these products that I mean for lack of a better description, they just look and play like garbage and they're not interesting. There's I, no soul in them. It seemed the most prevalent thing to me was that it's just trying to look like another successful game. Yes. Right, it's just trying to be burnout, or basically, it's trying to be Need for Speed, which was trying to be burnout, or whatever other combination. That's pretty much Cause, it. Because Need for Speed has way, tried to be. Did a you lot see of that Criterion things, is is making Need for Speed now? Um, that's not surprising, right? Because EA, uh, I think they bought, yeah, they bought Criterion, right? And so, I mean, I'm sure they were just like oh, well, we can't have two competing racing series, so let's just pick the name that's better known. Oh, Need for Speed is better known. This is just like, did you know that Spielberg just hooked up to make a Need for Speed picture? No. Yeah. Yeah, All so right. chew on that for... Calling it the next Fast and Furious. They're calling it Need for Speed. Like, Need for Speed has anything meaningful in the story. Yeah. 
All right, we'll be right back. Switch gears uh, to some political news related to gaming. This I had not heard of, actually. I'm very surprised this didn't hit my radar, but you were telling me about it well, this before is we just, started the show. This is fresh today, hot off the press. I mean, so. I, I'm in tune with the news. You're in tune? I don't know how yeah. I missed it. You do You do have a, um, a, a cell phone that runs on technology superior to potatoes. And pixie dust. Yeah. So, uh, so, so tell me, unless, I mean, do you want me to read this? Do you want to take it? So I'll, 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 I'll start us off. So this is, I mean, this totally blindsided me because this is a very unexpected result for me. Should but we say it changes the game? It does change the game. Yes. All this right. is a game changer. In see, fact, see what I did there. All right. So the European court of justice, which is the highest court in Europe has made a ruling on what at least in America, we call the first sale doctrine, right? Which, which, which is basically says, hey, you know, if you get sold something, it's yours, and you get to sell it again. It's not the person who first sold it to you anymore, right? You have all the rights to resell it. So you buy a jacket right. and you can sell it to your friend. Right. Totally cool. Now this is this is this gets muddled with software because what companies corporations would like to do is say, um, hey, um, Alon, um, I'll sell you the software, but I'm not selling you the software, okay? I'm selling you a license to operate the software. And the corporations, and in this case, there's a specific case with Oracle and this um, this other company called like Used Soft, incidentally. <laughs> and um, basically, Oracle was like, hey, you can't resell our licenses, Used Soft, because... We are not selling you a product. We are selling you a license to operate this product. And so we, Oracle, have all our – we have full rights to say, right, even if we sold it to you, we still have control over it. And you're not allowed to sell it to someone else. Basically, what this court said was, uh-uh, um, if you, Oracle, sell somebody like a software, um, you can call it a license, but just because you call it a license, it doesn't make it a license. You're actually selling them the software. And once you've made that sale, then you do not have any more rights to resell it or anything else. And the person who bought it from you does have the rights to resell it to somebody else. But doesn't this cover specifically digital downloads? Or so, is that just one factor of it? Well, no, it doesn't just cover specifically digital downloads because there was – I mean it's, it's, it's pretty complex and involved. But the gist of it, right, one of the, one of the things that they were talking about was that, you know, um, like software licenses. You know, even if there's – what the court basically said was, look, even if you have a license of a software, right, the license means nothing unless it's in concert with the software, Right, because you can't use the license unless you have the software to use it with. Right, it's meaningless to separate them, and so the court said we must consider these two entities as a singular entity. We cannot separate them because it doesn't make sense to. And so, as a singular entity, you are in fact buying and selling just as if you were buying and selling a book. And so, you know, pretty much all the rights that you would expect with buying and selling a book go along with that. And this is unprecedented because companies will hate this because companies – I mean we have this other story here where the president of EA is saying, look, we're going to go 100 percent digital eventually, right? And I've said this before. Companies love to do that because they don't want to sell you a product that you can resell. They want to sell you a license that they can't resell because that way they make more money. Well, and that's the beauty of digital downloads, at least for the publisher. But isn't this basically saying that with digital downloads, the customer can resell it? Yes, this is also saying that. Okay. But the problem there is that I don't know of a single company that has developed 
an infrastructure to allow for um, the transfer of digital downloads. You're so right. Like Xbox Live doesn't do that. PlayStation Network doesn't do that. Steam doesn't do that. I assume EA Origin doesn't do that. Um, Nothing does except when I download a game like from the Hyundai Indie Bowl, bundle i can i mean i just get the files and i can give the files to someone if i want to right. and transfer it right. um but that's the only one i know of like otherwise with steam you can't play the game unless you are connected to steam at least when you start probably the whole time you play um and with you know these console games none of them nintendo doesn't do it either right. you can't so, so this is very interesting it. because this ruling basically i mean i would say not being a lawyer, that the implication is that all these companies now would have to make some kind of infrastructure to allow this uh, this 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 used sale. Let me let me see the exact wording here because now, now this is you know there's there's like there's a there's a multi-page document that is not this news story that we're looking See, at so this, this this news story does not have all the information but still i get the feeling it's like okay they can't stop it but the way they worded it might just be that they can't uh, or they don't have to well what what many have said is that this ruling raises more questions than it does answers and that's yeah. totally true because you're right they've they've made this ruling and they've said that look uh i don't know if they said you have to allow this or you should allow this or what the implications are in terms of reselling like a digitally downloaded game. But you're right. There's totally no infrastructure right now for it. And I don't know if this means, hey, is, is Microsoft going to be compelled to create an infrastructure for a used game market? Because Microsoft doesn't want that. All that would do for Microsoft would, would just be spending money so that they could make less money later. That's all that's going to result in for Microsoft. Now, I think this is fabulous for consumers because I feel like we should, I mean, the, the, doc, the doctrine of first sale, that's, that's something that I think people should have a right to have. And I don't think that companies, right? One of the, one of the really interesting things is like the, there's a verbiage, not in that, that article right there, Alon, but um, in another document that I read today, there's verbiage where the court was like, look, you can't just sell licenses because then you would call any the company who's selling it in order to make the result in their benefit. They will just call all sales of product just licenses. And you can't just change the word and make it be different. You know, so you can't weasel out of it that way. And I always wondered why it was different. Like why a company wouldn't say I'm giving you a license to drive this car. Right. But you can't sell the car because it's not your car. Well, it's it's only different, I think, in as much as this is just chicanery by a corporation, and in order to get the most benefit, get the most cash out of their their economic, you know, endeavors. Yeah, they're just doing this. I mean, companies just want to try and find the most profitable way to operate, right? And so they're just seeking loopholes and things like that in order to enable that. You know how there were those games, too, that um, they'll sell you uh, like a hard copy of a game and then give you a free download code for some really important piece of it. For instance, the online multiplayer. And then uh, so that way when you resell it, someone has to buy that DLC if they want. Right. To Although get that in, part of in most game. cases, it's I don't know if I would say it was a really important piece of it, but it was some piece of it. Sure. I mean, in, in a lot of the cases, it was like, here's the free code. So when you bought it legitimately, you got the free code and you were good, yeah. right? But then you couldn't play multiplayer, which is considered a really important part of Well, well for some games. people. But there's, there's, they've done this with enough games that I think there's plenty of games where it was yeah. like the multiplayer component isn't always the most attractive part. But you're right. You're definitely losing value, right, if you buy the game used, which is what the companies want you to think so that you just you say, oh... I don't want to lose that value. I will now buy used. I yeah. mean, I will buy now. I, mean, I guess that's new. not directly analogous because this is you can still sell it used. So uh, the wording here is uh, an author of software cannot oppose the resale of his used licenses, allowing the use of his programs downloaded from the internet. So for downloaded games, he can't oppose the resale, but that doesn't mean he needs to encourage its sale. Like right. it doesn't well, doesn't necessarily right. state that he has to 
build the system to allow for that it. That somehow clarifies it, but it gets down to what the word oppose means. Exactly. I would, I would think more along your lines, like once they get challenged, once this is challenged, then they will have to develop it into the system to allow a transfer. But then the question is, okay, if I download a game from Steam and I want to sell it to somebody, are they going to need to use Steam? Like, does it still have to sit within that ecosystem? Right. Or am I free to transfer to anyone to use outside of It's a good question. But then the argument would be, well, it's a PC game. Should should it have to be run on a Mac if someone wants to use it on a Mac, right? Right. You so know no. what really scares me? And, and, and I'm really the glad... Law. Well, the law does scare me. But I'm really glad a ruling like this happened. I hope that... Gosh, I really hope that, like, some some like Supreme Court in the United States doesn't like issue like a completely contrary ruling to this since this was just Europe. Well, I, I totally mean, this see no, something like that happening. This has no bearing on us, right? Exactly at all, right? But I just here's the thing that I'm scared of. Look, yeah, the game publishers. Are you saying they're going to lobby against it so that we proact or preemptively? Well, I'm, I'm thinking even further ahead in the future, right? I'm imagining a really really shitty future where we do not buy singular game products we buy games like they sell cable tv yeah right and so we get the channel this is like this is closer than you think it is because look what sony is doing with playstation plus you're like hey you're gonna pay all this money every month but look we get all this stuff for free but you're not getting all this stuff for free what you're doing is you're agreeing to pay them a bunch of money every month and you get in return what they pick, right? And it's kind of like a channel because you don't pick what's on the channel. The channel picks what's you, what's on and you just use what you like and you use what you don't like, right? But a lot of times you don't get – you're not using all the things that you're getting, right? And you don't want half the stuff that you're getting either. It's, I think it's a. I think it's a really anti-consumer, retarded way of selling. And I see the future is going in that direction. And I really, I'm, things like this make me so happy because I don't want yeah. it to get there. I I bet this will result in lobbies across the U.S. to um, put in place laws that are exactly the opposite of this. That solidify the right of them to sell or to limit the sale. I'm sure they'll try because this is big bucks. You know, this isn't like making a couple extra dollars here and there, you know. They they can literally multiply the amount of profit potential based on whether this is possible or not. And this is this is extremely important too because the the move more and more towards digital games. So they have to. Like it's I was thinking I was just joking, but no, like there will definitely be lobbies against this type of idea in the United States. I can see it. Uh, I'm looking into the future, and it's just awesome. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. This is the last segment of the night, so I'm going to remind you to go to UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Thank you to them. Uh, last thing to cover before the end of the night. All right. You know what? There's, I, I got a bunch of uh, – I got a little bit of smorgasbord for us. 
But uh, there's one thing I forgot to say about the Steel Battalion game. Now, we were, we were watching the intros, right? The little cinematics in the beginning. Yeah. You ever get the feeling like, you know, sometimes when you're watching a movie where it's like whoever wrote the script, like really – like you really feel like they had some kind of like quota of like cuss words to fulfill. Oh. Yeah, there's this, the game like, is very very heavy on swearing. A little bit of that. I mean, not like, and by a little, I mean like, like, oh wait, we haven't used the word fuck in the last three sentences. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, now we can fucking say something else. Yeah, it uh, it definitely definitely it's, was heavy it's, in that area. I mean, I mean, it's it was like silly. That's not it. That, that's not all though. I mean, it was it was quite gratuitous in terms of its violence as well in those cinematics. There were. Uh, <laughs> Like, you weren't looking at the screen while I was looking at this particular cinematic, but I saw a dude get, like, split in two by, I mean, back in the old days, it would be by a cannonball. This time, I think it was by a laser beam. Um, so he gets split in two, and then I was like, oh, my God, there was another one. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, they did it twice to make sure I see it, but Ara is not going to see it. Now that he's looking at it, right. two people have been sliced in half. He missed his opportunity. And then a couple seconds later... You see two, three more people getting just cut, basically right in half. Yeah, I, I, and then not, I a, not a clean like steak style cut. Like it's 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 gory, it blood is. everywhere. But still, I mean, I was I was I just I remarked to both of us, this must be a very surgical operation here because that's <laughs> yeah. not really like the, I don't know, not like I've been there, okay. But I didn't think that bodies would like separate so cleanly. Anyway, you're you're totally right. I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's gratuitous to the point where it's ludicrous. I don't understand. I don't. I just don't understand. Yeah. Let's just which is that. weird, by the way, because during the game you don't see that. I mean, it's all at least I, right. I didn't. But they're still they're still like fuck shit, fuck bitch, you know. Yes, the whole time. And okay, so that was kind of like nonsense. It's a good thing we have the explicit marker on on our show. Excellent. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's been so many years and we weren't able to say that. So now I have to make up for it. Yeah. You don't have to. But, but yeah, it was relevant, yeah. I suppose. Okay. So a couple other okay, little news stories. Um, so have you heard about this Gaikai? You know Gaikai. Yep. Dave and Perry's Sony. company. Okay. Dave Perry. Earthworm Jim. Not so quietly. Uh, Building this technology for many, many years, not making games, right? Because he used to be Shiny Entertainment, he used to be the Earthworm Jim guy. Not making games, building up this technology. Now, after all these years, right, he sells the company to Sony. Yeah, I guess we should have seen that coming. For a cool $380 million. Yeah, well, I guess originally he was looking for twice as much or something. Well, I mean, you start, us, you start high and then you go down, right? Yeah. So that, for those who don't know... Gay Kai, Gai Kai, whatever Gai Kai. it is. Um, it's basically that online ser- on live service, excuse me, where like you just have a tool that accesses someone else's machines and you play their games. But in the case of Gai Kai, it was basically made just for demos. Um, so you would play PC demos, but without needing the hardware to play those demos. Right. And uh, it was free as far as I, yeah. as I Well, know. it was on live's <laughs> only competitor. And, and, and now it seems, you know, so Sony's got that. It's been rumored that Microsoft's been developing their own technology. They're still on live. Um, you know, everyone's saying this is where it's all going, right? Now, but, if this is where it's all going, you know what I just said last segment about you getting video game channels like cable. Yeah. Okay, so now the pieces are coming together. Is this is this the kind of future you like? Uh, I don't know. You pay I mean, a subscription service and then you get to play a suite of games it does mean that there's no such thing as a console and there's no generation of console that it it's does. just you play whatever game you want to play that it does yeah so you, you're not ever buying hardware i don't know how i've taken all this i don't know how i am how i'm stomaching it honestly yeah. also there's no hacking of hardware there's no putting stuff that they don't want you to put on on there like no emulators or anything on any of your machines because it's all in the cloud yeah and I mean, unless they figure out a way around it, it's also going to mean highly compressed video signal all the time, which has been the main detracting factor of these services. People are saying that, uh, you know, it's going to get better, but I don't know. Yeah, well, it's then it a, also requires Internet. Like, that's it's a, a whole, huge technical hurdle 
to go across. Yeah, and you're right. It requires internet too. So that's that's a bit of a struggle, I guess, since not everybody has that uh, or wants it, right? But yeah, well, too bad, I guess. Is but I, I wonder if he built Gaikai with the intention of just like basically putting a front of of usability on it. Mm-hmm. just to build up the technology and sell it to someone like Sony. I would guess yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. So, um, I guess Microsoft is building their own and Sony just bought their own. Yep. Great. So, it's coming to the very near future, maybe faster than we all wanted to. Maybe it'll be like Xbox Live where they test it out in the next generation oh, and they're the generation test it. after that yeah. becomes only that. They're going to test it. Yeah. It's going to it's going to be like the frog in the boiling water. But okay, enough enough cataclysmic analogies. Um, so another thing that uh, came up uh, very recently, okay, THQ. THQ has been having some problems lately. So they just, yes. they, I'm really glad that um, to put it mildly that they announced that their um, ten, that their stock split. They're going to do a reverse stock split so they can remain solvent and still be a public company. Yeah, so you will have half your stock. Yeah. No, 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 no. Is it not a, a half? No, it's ten for one. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. So, I'm wow. just this is okay, okay. Okay, to tell you to give you an idea of where my mind's at with THQ. I'm just thinking when I saw this, oh good. Now it'll make all the computations I have to do much easier that it's just a factor of 10 when I do my taxes. Then that's it. Okay. So, I didn't realize. I assumed when I saw the headline that it was just a, a doubling or a uh, having. Yeah, it's going to be ten for one. So they're around sixty cents now. So it's going to be like six dollars. And it'll be sixty cents again a year later. And well, then that'll be really upsetting. Yeah, I I advise you to short that, sir. Short THQ. Um. Yeah, I'm not doing any more business with THQ. Yeah. Let's just put it there. For the record, I don't actually advise you to do any of that because I am not licensed to do so. I do not advise you in your stock sales sure. or purchases. Oh, darn. I was just about to take your advice and then sue you for um, detrimental reliance. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyway. Um, okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about was Dark Souls. Yeah, I knew this was coming. Yeah, you knew I, it was coming and you're bracing yourself. All okay. right. So lay, let me, lay it on me, man. Okay. So I started playing it. Okay. It's it's pretty much the same. We were right. It's pretty much the same as the first one. Okay. So I don't know. Gosh. Like, I don't even know if I want to play it anymore. You know, I played it for some hours. I got a little bit into it. And there's a few things that are really working against my continued interest in this product. Okay. The first one is that... Even though it's very interesting what they did. Actually, it's not interesting at all. It's exactly the opposite of interesting what they did. Because when I say like it's exactly the same game, it's like they took, you know, the environment's different. The layout of the worlds are different. But the kind of progression and the feeling of the progression and the kind of items that you pick up and the way your character develops and all these other things is virtually the same. Right. And so you're faced with all of these, you know, one of the things that was really unenjoyable about Demon Souls, as enjoyable as the whole thing was, was that you could get, you know, you, you'd get items, right? You'd get like new items, right? And it would be very, very rare for you to get an item that was like, oh, this is way better than what I had. You know, the game is going to become so much more enjoyable than I have this new powerful item. Right? No, instead they'll give you like this shield, which is like better than the shield you have in like half of the stats and worse in half of the other stats. And so you're constantly having to make these choices where it's like, I'm not actually getting anything better than what I've got, you know? And so that's like a continuous disappointment that happens in the way that like the pickups and the, the power ups are structured in that game, right? And it's almost like these exa- the exact same items in a lot of ways. So that was that was kind of unpleasant. The other thing that was really unpleasant was, and I almost stopped completely, although I, I'm not even sure if I'll ever return to the game, was that, look, this is what they do to you, okay? Like, there's this hallway that you're walking down, okay? It's not actually a hallway. It's like on the, it's like a, it's like a, on the top of, this, of, a, of a roof, right? And it's got, like, flanked on both sides, there's these guards, like these, this barrier, like this physical barrier, so you can't run off. Except for this little hole... On the left side, there's a gap where if you run off there, 
then you'll fall and die. Okay. Now, what do they do? They put enemies that are high up on your left. Okay. On the same side where this gap is. And they're throwing shit at you. Okay. So you have to run across the thing. And what happened the second time I ran across it? I accidentally pressed the lock on button, which locked on my orientation to the nearest enemy, which is exactly in the direction of where this gap is in the wall. So, okay, so you fell off and died. So I just yeah. So just because I accidentally pressed the button, I there's this little tiny sliver of a gap that I just ran right off of inadvertently and died right away. And I mean, like, can you be more soul crushing? Can you like? Can you try to make it more soul crushing? I have a feeling if you play more, you'll find out. Because and and I don't want to. I don't want to be put through that abuse. You know. And I think I mean that's just it's your fault for design. accidentally pressing the button. It's my fault, yes, and it's their fault for being so abusive. And it's it's really I mean, you don't have to engage in that kind of abuse to make a compelling game, and that is not the reason why that game is so good. It's good. Any goodness of it is in spite of those kinds of things. And it's just okay. I don't want I don't want an abusive relationship. Okay, because. Well, I think that's what you're going to get with Dark Souls. There's enough of that in real life and in my virtual life, okay? All right. Well, we have come to the end of the show, so I will abuse you by telling you there's no more left. But uh, next week, we will be back. In the meantime, send us a voicemail at 480-4GAME21. Send us email. You can find our email addresses at chatterboxgameshow.com. Until then, good night, everybody. listening to chatterbox video game radio tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming and remember all your base are belong to us